Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ, and it's so wonderful to be able to say that we are in Christ. Oh, my goodness, we take that for granted mm-hmm. when we look around at the world and, oh, Lord, those who are lost. We're going to talk about that today. We're also going to talk about how to strengthen the faith of your children and, for many of our listeners, your grandchildren, maybe even with five-minute conversations. We'll get to that in a minute. I want to share again about the new Stand Up For The Truth weekly newsletter that you can sign up for for free. That's right, it's free. It'll take less than 90 seconds to do this if you haven't already. It's a one-time email every week. We will not bombard your inbox. And it's a recap of the weekly podcast. If you missed any of our excellent guests, you can see that recap every Friday and also get the links to our resources, over 200 resources that we recommend that's on our website. Also, just go to StandUpForTheTruth.com and click on Subscribe. Um, I did it, and it was actually less than a minute. So do that. Uh, Mary, you have something going on still at Calvary Chapel in Appleton. Tell yes, us about it. Yes, we have a Bible drive. A few weeks ago uh, on, on the podcast here, mm-hmm. Jason Wolford was the guest. I think it was a few Mondays ago, and yep. you can certainly, if you missed that, it's in the archives. Um, uh, the mission is um, Mission Cry, mm-hmm. www.missioncry.com. And um, we decided to run with uh, the possibility or the uh, opportunity, rather, to collect Bibles and books of sound doctrine. Yes, Christian, uh, yes. biblical worldview yes. books, not just quote Christian books. Right. Well, for <laughs> instance, gotta... uh, like Dave Hunt books. I mean, those yes. are they're so yes. fabulous. We have I, to define that now. Yes. Yeah. You really have to be careful. Andy and, Woods, not Andy Stanley. That's right. And we don't want the message either. If if I can throw that out there, the message paraphrase. Right. We should not call that a Bible. And you can drop off good. Uh, you know, Bibles that are readable. I mean, some are falling apart at the seams. So we would prefer whole yeah. whole Bibles, and uh, you can drop those off as well as really good Christian books at Calvary Chapel for the next, uh, I believe it's the next week yeah. or two yet, yes. uh, before they get sent out. and um, New or used. New or used, that's correct. And mm-hmm. we're at Calvary Chapel, 2136 East Newberry Street in Appleton. So we would love to be able to send them a lot of Bibles. Awesome. Well, I want to read some scripture before we introduce uh, T.A. McMahon to you guys again. 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. 2 Timothy 4, 3 and four. So with that, today's guest, T.A. McMahon, President and Executive Director of the Berean Call Ministry, and he also sends out the Berean Call newsletter you can sign up for, co-author of The Seduction of Christianity, also uh, America, The Sorcerer's New Apprentice, Understanding the Times, um, also Showtime for the Sheep and Temporal Delusion. But we're going to be talking today about the brand new Lighthouse Trails booklet called How to Strengthen the faith of our children and grandchildren 
with five-minute conversations. We'll do that in part one of today's podcast. T.A., welcome back to the podcast, brother. Hey, it's absolutely a pleasure to be with you guys again. And I took that scripture, obviously, from the Word of God, but I look back to your January uh, newsletter, Flocking to Fables, and we will get to that in part two of today's podcast because there's so much good information in there. And so people can just go to the Berean Call, sign up for your newsletters there. Right, okay. right. The other thing that, because you mentioned uh, the booklet, which we just produced, we're going to talk about that later, but I want you guys to know, that is available through Lighthouse Trails online for free. Oh. Okay. Mm. And, the, uh, you, Mayor, you know me. I love free. No, I, <laughs> I love <it. laughs> so that's a, a totally our pleasure, but uh, it's also the grace of Lighthouse Trails, which is a terrific uh, publishing ministry. They really, really are. Yep. yep. So, T.A., um, you went to a recent conference, and uh, we're going to talk about that in the next segment, and we put a title up, we might change this, of today's podcast, uh, Church Leaders Failing to Discern Prophecy and Current Events, and uh, we just want you to kind of tease that, what we will be talking about in the next segment. Yeah. Well, look, you know, I people sometimes say to me, oh, Tom, I could never do your ministry. You know, you're already on the front lines, you know. If people are pushing you back and all the above. I think that's a walk in the park compared to the calling, and the mm-hmm. pastor must have the mm-hmm. calling. Yeah. But even with the calling, there are issues they have to deal with. You know, uh, what about doctrine? Well, doctrine mm-hmm. divides. And when, when doctrine divides, the pastor has a problem as to which side is he going to fall on. And that leads to church splits. And all, I mean, there are all kinds of issues that the pastor has to deal with. Therefore, first and foremost, if he's not called, you know, and I've mentioned this to some, not, not a lot, but some I've mentioned, look, if you don't have the calling, get out mm. of the ministry because you're not doing yourself any good or you're, you know, you're, she- you're a shepherd of the sheep. So it's a very difficult, and that's why pastors continually need our prayers and support as they're doing what God's called them to do, speaking the truth in love. Mm. So we'll get to that a little later on. But we wanted to start off, T.A., um, we have a lot of parents, Christian parents, some homeschooling parents, and, of course, we have a lot of grandparents listening that maybe feel like they didn't do such a good job of raising their kids in the truth and establishing a biblical worldview in them and taking advantage of the time that they had when they were young. I want to start off, uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, verse 5 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. Verse 7, You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. Um, that pretty much covers everything, everything, T.A., except for when you're maybe eating and going to the bathroom. But um, let's yeah. talk about your booklet and why now, why put this out now, how to strengthen the faith of our children and grandchildren. Well, let me go back to uh, when I gave this message at our Marine Call Conference um, last year. And uh, when I finished, these two ladies came up to me, and they were actually the the wives of two of our speakers, so I knew them well. I knew their you know, <laughs> their husbands, 
and uh, always impressed with these guys. Anyway, they came up to me. Both of them were in tears mm. after they heard this message. And uh, they said, Tom, we blew it. We blew it with our kids. Mm. You know what my response to them was? Welcome to the club. Yeah. <laughs> who, can, who can stand up and say? I mean, obviously, you know, our, our children are volitional beings. You know, they can, they, you know, they're not coerced. This isn't Calvinism, okay? They're not coerced into uh, or responsible completely with regard to how they've ministered to, to the children. However, nevertheless, you know, the verse that you gave, and you know it in the booklet, I give probably a dozen of those verses mm. showing what our responsibility is before the Lord, and we're held accountable for how we minister to our children. Mm. The thing I love about being a Christian, okay, ask me if I've blown it. Oh, man, I, I, we don't have <laughs> enough time in this program. Nevertheless, you know, I can repent on a dime. You know, I've, as you guys know, because you've been through the booklet, the first thing with regard to our kids is, what do they believe? Right. And then why did they believe it? Mm-hmm. Well, why those two things? Because in order for them to be saved, they have to understand the gospel. Okay? If they've got a bogus gospel, they're not saved. However, if in a, in a dialogue with them, and, and as you guys know from the booklet, my it's not a dialogue, it's basically a conversation. In my conversation with them, I say, hey, you know, and I only deal with one child at a time. Okay, because I don't want, uh, you know, somebody mimicking the other one. I want to know specifically what the child that I'm having a conversation with, what they understand, and they mm-hmm. have to articulate it. And if they don't have it right, no problem. We'll just go over what is correct according to the gospel. Well, the great thing, the great thing about that is, in, you know, in my own situation with regard to some of these things, being a believer, having received the gospel and believed the gospel— I'm saved. Nevertheless, even though I'm saved, and when I blow it, I can repent on a dime. Mm. In other words, it doesn't affect my eternal security if I've got something, you know, if I'm off a little bit here after I believe the true gospel. But nevertheless, I can correct it, because that affects my relationship with him, not my eternal security. Mm-hmm. So, you know, is this stuff that, you know, as I put this together, and by the way, Two things about that. Um, you know, being with Dave Hunt for 40 years, mm-hmm. I've been privileged to be a part of, you know, the books that, that he has written. And in that process of being a part of it, you know, uh, I recognize there are things that I have to correct. I have to correct. And it only affects when I get off the case. If I'm truly saved, it only affects my relationship with him. But that's critical. I want mm-hmm. to keep pleasing him and so on. Mm-hmm. Repent on a dime, get straight, get that spurred away and so on. But coming back to uh, the booklet, I think it's by the grace of God and by his enablement, I, it's the, the thing I love the most. Now, okay, Mayor, you know me. Um, I, I'm so thankful for all the time I've had with Dave Hunt, and, and I'm, I'm always stunned that the Lord put me together with him. But my point being is that he has put me together with him. He has enabled me. And in one of those things is the seduction of Christianity. Mm -hmm. That sold uh, over a million copies. Wow. Wow. You know, it sold over a million copies. I will take this booklet absolutely beyond 
you know, my my being thrilled and thankful for the, uh, you know, for being a part of that mm-hmm. project. Why? Mm-hmm. Because of the issue. I love children, mm-hmm. my ministries, mm-hmm. uh, the joy of my ministry. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's all had to do with, uh, you know, dealing with issues, correcting things, and so on. Right. But in this one, it has to do with our children. Yeah. Uh, and, I- uh, and it's, Go ahead, Matt. I got to tell you, seduction of Christianity absolutely changed the course of my life. Because, and I know I've said this before, but I want to repeat this because when I got saved, I was told by very wise people in the Lord, older than me in the Lord, don't read anything but the Bible for the first two years. Okay. So I did that and I didn't read any books or opinions or editorials. Wow. The first book I picked up, Seduction of Christianity. And I'm thumbing through, it's a Kodak moment in my head. That's how significant this is. And I thumbed through the book and it said that there would be enemies of the gospel. Now here I am, a young believer who's just in love with Jesus and thinking, doesn't everybody want all this? And it all, I came crashing down to earth, literally, where it said there will be enemies of the gospel. And it talked about psychology as a replacement for the Holy Spirit's work in our lives and all these other things. And it blew my mind. I'll never forget it. And I actually decided right then I was going to dedicate my life to contending for the faith. However, the Lord did that. Well, now I'm here talking to you, which wow. is a full circle for me. That's so awesome. I'm so yeah. grateful for that book. And I do have a question for you. I mean, your, your background is apologetics. And all that research that you've done over the years, knowing everything that you know, okay, now we're watching the news. We're watching the war <laughs> for our kids, um, which we've talked about it on the podcast, what's going on with the children, and it is mind-numbing. It mm. is so wicked and so yep. evil. And I'm so grateful you wrote this and um, because the resource, I love the, the smaller format of Lighthouse Trails. It's for people mm. with maybe uh, lower attention spans like myself sometimes. But was there something well, specific that really sent you over the edge to make you want to take your apologetics and apply it to this particular thing? All right. Well, you know, as as you start through this booklet, it's only 19 pages, okay? Right, so, you right. know, nobody can be, we can't complain about, well, I can't. It's not uh, like Dave Hunt's books, which are uh, <laughs> twenty pounds. What load is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. That's right. But but here's my point. Um, you know, I mentioned just my love for children. Mm-hmm. All this, all the stuff that I do: children's church, vacation Bible school. Uh, uh, you know, just on and on and on. Why do I love that? Because I love children. And mm-hmm. secondly, I see that they are the target. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That the adversary and uh, you know the world and so on is trying to pull the rug out from under him, put in stuff that uh, would distract him. But here's why I love it. Because when you're teaching, for example, my favorite is Sunday school, uh, second and third grade. Now, number one, I get them. Yeah, you know, I mean, I love kids. I have five of my, you know, my own, got the grandkids and so on. And, uh, but in teaching them, it takes just almost immediately, you know, to get them to understand why, how much you love them, and then lay some stuff out to them, mm-hmm. some, some things that, that they mean. Guess what? Second and third grade, there's no pushback. <laughs> Once they understand the love of Jesus, and come on, what are we saying? Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. You know, and how and why? Because the Bible tells us so. Okay? Yeah. That's not complicated, right. and they get it. And then when you start getting into some of the issues, they haven't had... Uh, you know, and I'll put this in quotation, they haven't had the church or the world adding things to the theology. No, it's incredibly mm. simple, right? What about, uh, you know, what about Timothy? Well, who taught him? And, and wasn't he young at the time? Or, you know, his mother and his grandmother and right. so on? So the point is, it's not complicated. And there's no way, or it's not there's no way, but there's no pushback. 
Not that, you know, I'm not afraid to push back, but nevertheless, I don't need it. And I can see the joy in their hearts and their minds when you tell them how much Jesus loves them, what they, and, 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 you know, and how they are to go about pleasing him and so on. So it isn't just a, you know, I mean, you know, some people have made this into a cliche. It's not a cliche. The, the music is right. Jesus loves the little children, and he does. And this is what he's done for them. And the more they get to understand that, the more solid they become in their beliefs. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how, how could you not? Well, I'll, I'll just say this for myself. So in what I do, yes, I love apologetics, um, but I don't love it as much as the children, the joy of the children that I have the opportunity to minister to. Mm-hmm. That's what the booklet's all about. Yeah. And we know there's a war on for yeah. the kids, and they are being, I like to use the word access by those who would um, be pushing demonic agendas, those uh, government and, and others that would try to access children at younger and younger ages. In the booklet, How to Strengthen the Faith of Our Children and Grandchildren, T.A., you say um, your response is often, if you can teach second graders, you can teach anyone. <laughs> um, and you say, that, first of all, a child can understand the simple gospel, and you referred to that scripture that you just uh, quoted. I want to just quote the whole thing. 2 Timothy 2.15, and from a child, and we're talking about Timothy, you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. I want to focus and have you elaborate a little bit more on, and that from a child you have known the Scriptures. Share your heart on that and what else you should put into this booklet. You know, I've had the privilege of... uh you know, working with Dave Hunt for, you know, close to 40 years. And uh, just me personally, I, I don't know anybody smarter than Dave, more brilliant than Dave, and so on. I mean, he, uh, you know, he, he was just incredible. Um, but guess what? That's not the criteria. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. If that's the criteria, then uh, God is, is not, you know, he's uh, not a respecter of persons, okay? So there's something that would separate me from Dave. You know, and I will tell you, you know, across the board, I could give you dozens of things that uh, I was always in awe of Dave. That's not the criteria. And Dave would be the first one to tell you that. It's knowing him, loving him, obeying him, him being obviously the Lord, okay? That's the criteria, and a child can do that. You see, the other thing I like about this is, and, and guys, in terms of what you do, look at all the things that you guys addressed and so on. Okay, the errors, you know, whether it be Calvinism, I mean, uh, whether it be the, you know, uh, the contemplative movement, you know, there's so many things out there. Second and third graders haven't been affected by this yet, okay? So I'm not having to clear the garbage. And it's, uh, you know, you guys know, I I did an article called uh, Dumpster Diving Christianity, okay? (laughs) You know, it's like we've got to keep adding. People think we've got to keep adding to God's Word and so on. No, Mm. that's delusionary and worse. So the point being is that if I'm teaching these kids, I don't have to clear the deck. I don't have to clear this stuff out because they haven't had this information, er erroneous information from, you know, whether it be their Sunday school class, whether it be, uh, uh, you know, whatever it might be that's out there in which these false ideas, these erroneous ideas have come in. They're not affected by it yet. Now, down the line... That's why, you know, that's the case for the booklet is 
let's get it down to the basics. Let's get it down to what the child needs to know in order to be saved. And then understanding what he, you know, the, the facts of what he needed to be saved in order to be saved, then how can they share that either in defense of what they understand about the gospel or, or in, in other words, uh, you know, I have two, two, uh, grandchildren i have more than that but the two grandchildren i'm thinking of they are godly uh you know one's 14 and the other one's 10 and they are godly young people okay Mm -hmm. and they have drawn people to themselves okay because of their godliness Mm -hmm. well once these people are drawn to them then they have to explain not only what they believe but why they believe what they believe because that's the defense Mm -hmm. so you know i mean it's a the time is now. The time is important. And uh, we can't do it on our own. And yeah. the one thing I want people to know about this booklet, it's not the only way to go about ministering to your grandchildren. But it's a way that God put on my heart mm. to do it, and I've seen it be effective. Yeah. All the people out there who are, uh, this sounds interesting to them, they may not be in a situation in which they can meet with their grandchildren right. as much as I can. Okay? Or... They, you know, so they, they look for alternatives by phone, by emails, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. But the point is they get into a conversation. Right, right. Even with, if it's just them. five minutes. Well, here's a little bit of a sticky situation. I, I talk to a lot of, um, of grand, grandparents, grandmas my age, and their mm-hmm. grown children are not saved. Um, but they right. have children. Mm-hmm. And these grandparents, their hearts are breaking Ooh. because they don't have the opportunity, or maybe they've been told by their grown children, don't you dare talk about the Bible to my mm. kids, your grandkids, wow. or maybe they don't see them. I mean, that's such a heart- heartbreaking thing for me. What is there some advice that we can give to these uh, grandparents who, you know, they'll email me and say, please put my grandkids on your prayer chain, and I can hear okay. their heart. What is there something yeah. that they can do? Well, first and foremost, just what you said, Mayor. And I know they're probably continuing on their knees, mm-hmm. you know, for, for their kids. But we got a we got an email from a lady who said, "I'm so thankful for what you, you did because uh, just as you described, you know, the, 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 their kids are not leading or in, encouraging their kids in the Lord." So she said, "Nevertheless, I get to see them. They their their parents drop them off, okay." And sometimes they stick around, making sure that I'm not affecting them. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? I don't know a greater effect than a, than a grandparent's love of Jesus and the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter what they're doing, the kids that gets to the kids. I could give you testimony after testimony, but this is what the lady said. She said, "So your idea of give me five, you know, and remember for those people who think we're not talking high fives here. We're talking maybe a minimum of five minutes that they have. That's the way the book's set up." The booklet is set up for, for them to minister. So she says, so I do find that I get five minutes with with my kids, in which or with my grandkids, and my kids aren't around. So, <laughs> so I, I give them five minutes. And, uh, you know, and every time they come around, you know, it may be a little sly on the one hand, but uh, I'll take that slyness when it comes yeah. to them demonstrating, you know, like this lady, how much they love, she loves her our grandkids, and mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a conversation. Right. You know, it's not a debate. It's right. not. Uh, it's not a classroom situation. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, a a conversation on the go. Mm-hmm. You know. So what do I do after five? I mean, hey, we go out and we kick the soccer ball. We go out and play basketball. We go out and play volleyball. Whatever it is. So the issue is, I'm building 
my relationship with my grandkids. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a terrific way to get them to think. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what, what age they are, but I'll tell you, you know, like I said, second and third grader, I've been stunned by some questions <laughs> that they're able to throw out there, yeah. and then you explain it, and they get it. Well, in those five minutes, what what do you basically do? Do you just start, I suppose it depends on the child, but you would start with questions, um, you know, what do you know about Jesus or what, how do you, how do you just, how do you well, frame those five minutes? Okay. Now that's, remember, it's five minutes, so, so we're not dealing with a whole, uh, category of, of apologetics. Right. Okay. All I want to know <laughs> is what does my grandchild believe? Mm-hmm. So the question mm-hmm. is, hey, Maggie, are you a Christian? Well, yeah, Pops. That's what they call me. Pops. Yeah. Okay, fine. Uh, how'd you become a Christian? You see? Now we're getting into the what of the child needs to believe in order to receive the gospel, in order to be saved. Now, I can't be absolutely sure of my grandchildren, even though they know the gospel, they've laid it out specifically, you know, a terrific testimony of it and so on. I don't know their heart. God does. Okay. But I will tell you this. You know, because I've seen it in situations where, whether it be a child or, or you know, an elderly child or a uh, uh, that goes home, you know, or dies, you know, just to put it out that way, they die. Well, the the parent is always trying, or grandparent is trying to comfort themselves. Well, you know, they, they there was an altar call and they went forward, and uh, guess what? Uh, it's it's worse than a guess to just, you know to give them confidence that their their grandchild was saved. However, I can have confidence, you know, if the Lord took one of my grandchildren home, okay, or even a, even a child, you know, you know, uh, uh, my uh, my son or, or my daughter, even if they went home to be with the Lord, I could have I could be encouraged because I know a lot about them. On the other hand, even though I'm encouraged, my encouragement comes because I know that Maggie or Silas. They understood the gospel. They've articulated the gospel. That that's encouraging. Okay, it's not absolute because listen, you guys, you can't know if I'm a Christian, but I can. The verses tell me that I can know I'm a child of God. I. It's between the Holy Spirit and me. Anybody else? Well, they can look at my life. They can be encouraged this way or, or that way, and so on. That's fine. But if I have the, if you have the confidence, let's say. If, if it was my father, and he had the confidence that I could articulate the gospel, I knew what it was. You know, to me, that's better than uh, a wishful, hopeful mm-hmm. thought that well, they went forward in a, you know, in a, emotionally in a, you know, in an altar call or whatever. Not that not that altar calls are wrong. I'm not getting on that case, but I am telling you, if I know what my child believed and they were able to articulate it to me, that they had confidence in in their relationship with the Lord. That's encouraging, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not hopeful, wishful stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, T.A., there's several ways. We've just got, um, where are we here? Yeah, three minutes left um, in the first segment here. There's several ways to get the booklet, and it comes in different forms. One is an, a PDF. There's an e-booklet, and then there's the actual, for those of us that like paper, that like to <laughs> read, read a booklet. Um, so, you can go to lighthousetrails.com. That's the best place to do it and explain yeah. to everybody the different ways they could get it. Yeah. Well, as I said, um, you know, Lighthouse Sit Trails, you know, the terrific ministry really out there on the front lines mm-hmm. with what they produce. But in this case, um, they will 
you know, I think I, I can't remember. The, maybe the book would cost a buck nineteen or something like that, or they have a deal where you can get you know more than you know lots of copies at a reduced price. Mm-hmm. But if you don't want the hard copy, just you'd go online. It's it's free. It's free online, you know, and you can print it yourself or whatever you want to do. But that's the deal. Um, you know, I know that the publishing company just wants it out there, mm-hmm. which is the heart of the you guys. It's the heart of the, mm-hmm. the brain call as well. Boy, um, I'm just thinking if, if we – you can't go back and, and say, all right, you know, if – but you, you think about the state of the culture in the church today, and children have always been such a target – and you right. understand how taking them away from their family, which the government is trying to do and has done a pretty good job, and taking them away from God and their biblical worldview, that's kind of a, a oversimplification of where we are today as a, a, a culture, as a nation, maybe even as a church. But we've got to still keep fighting. And I just right. want, want you to just take a minute before we go to break and just encourage parents or grandparents out there to, just to never give up this battle. Yeah. Well, you know, once again, it has to do with our love for them. And as I alluded to earlier, the influence of parents and grandparents first off, but, but grandparents later when the, the uh, let's say the parents have kind of dropped the ball and so on. The, the demonstration of a grandparents' love for their grandchildren is huge. I mean, I've, we've had testimony after testimony how even though the, the child's parents weren't, they didn't walk with the Lord, uh, the, they, the love of Christ came to them through, through their grandparents mm-hmm. and so on. And, uh, you know, it's huge because, you know, it... Uh, well, we've got to, sorry, I, I shouldn't have asked that question with such limited time, but we've got to go and talk about an experience T.A. had at a recent conference, and he was surprised by the reaction and actually not the, the preparation of some pastors. We're going to talk about that next when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth. We are talking with T.A. McMahon of the Berean Call. T.A. will be a guest at the um, Prophecy Conference at Calvary Chapel, April 28, 29, and 30. So you can see him live and in person. Uh, T.A., you just returned from an event that you spoke at. You had a captive audience for five sessions. I know having sometimes having uh, guys and pastors as a captive audience is difficult. Everyone is so busy, and they're just so busy living their life. Uh, you were in Pennsylvania for this event. Can you tell us a little bit about how that went and the yeah. takeaways from that? Yes, observations. Okay. Well, on the one hand, it was a tough thing for because at my age, uh, you know, they wanted me to speak five times and then do do a Q and A. So I, I said, fine, as long as I can take a nap between each talk. Uh, but anyway, so but the. Um, so it was a, a, a gathering of uh, a, a number of churches. It was a men's retreat, and um, the issues were what whatever I wanted to talk about. But there were so I there were, I gave them five topics and so on. And uh, but in order to be able to speak there, they sent me a questionnaire, and they said, "Here's what we don't want, or here's where we stand on these issues." Okay, psychology, uh, Calvinism, wow. all these things, and we're on, we're on the same page. Okay, oh, good. good. You know, uh, so I thought, oh, okay, th- this will be good. 
So um, long, but good. <laughs> okay. So anyway, as I started speaking, you know, the first thing I dealt with was the apostasy, and then I then I dealt with um, Calvinism, then I dealt with psychology, then I dealt with the chosen, then I dealt with all of these things. <laughs> so these this would be an example of the things that are impacting the church in huge ways. Mm-hmm. Now, here's what, and these are, again, fundamentalist churches. These these people are pretty rock solid, plus it was the pastors, the pastors from these churches. So, you know, I thought, well, this is really a good opportunity. As I started talking about these things, I could see many in the audience were stunned. And, and I thought, now, wait a minute! I, I went through the survey. I know what the, you know. Basically, generally, their their uh, position or objection to you know Calvinism, psychology, and all that. So, but what I didn't realize was that they they have an understanding, but they don't have a depth of understanding of of these things. For example, that's why I love what you guys do. You're giving them more details to understand why these things are not biblical, so they can be Bereans and so on. But what I didn't, what it almost shocked me was that yes, they there was no pushback. They received what I had to say, but they were they didn't have the details of these things. You know, for example, I did instead of me um, when we got to the point of uh, of Calvinism, I think, well, why should I talk to him about Calvinism? Why don't I put out there? The guy that I learned about Calvinism, the guy I learned about that from, um, he wrote a book called What Love Is This? <laughs> okay, <laughs> A compendium mm-hmm. of dealing with those issues. And all I did was take a, uh, a, a video that Dave that we did in, in, uh, in Scotland when Dave was over there presenting Calvinism. And the point being is that in all of these different subjects, I gave them more depth, which is what you guys do. More understanding. Get biblical understanding. I even do a little, uh, you know, little program on that through the Berean Call. So, again, the point is, yes, they were against it, these, these things, against Calvinism, against psychology and so on. But they didn't know why. Mm-hmm. And, guys, as you know, we talked about the, the booklet. Isn't, wasn't that one of the points of the booklets, to get the kids not only to know what they believe, but why they believe what they believe, so that they can either defend themselves or so they can either encourage somebody to believe what they believe, because they're giving them reasons. And it was, an, what's that, 18.1, uh, Isaiah, come let us reason together. Mm. Now, this may come as a shock to you guys, but uh, guess what? When God says, come let us reason together, he's not interested in my reasons. Okay? <laughs> he wants me to know his reasons as to why these things are critical. Mm-hmm. So, so that basically was, it was a shocker, but it was a good thing that I was there. And as tough as it was because of the travel, because of all these things at my age, I'll do it in a heartbeat again. Yeah. Because I could see the responses that they had, and uh, they're going to go deeper. Mm-hmm. They're going to be more Bereans than they have been, hopefully, than when I, uh, before I got there. So, Well, there's so much going on, too. I guess sometimes I think the deer in the headlights look with a lot of people that you talk to is because it's so overwhelming. Where yeah. do you start? Yeah. And, you know, the, the teachers that we were calling out in the 80s and 90s, now there's a whole new generation. I mean, how many times over of new people? People still ask me, have you heard of so-and-so? And I got to look at them and say, no, I haven't. 
Mm-hmm. And and so for even for me to keep up, and I've been keeping up, for somebody to jump yeah. in, and pastors are so busy, how, how can we help them know where to start yeah. so they're not overwhelmed? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, again, the, the pastors have to do the job that they have been called to. So to start with that, they are responsible to the Lord for their, you know, God has given them a calling, and that is to watch over the sheep, to shepherd the sheep, to, to keep them on track. And then... When things come up, I mean, I, I do have guys of, of the old days, uh, pastors, calling me and say, Tom, well, what about this or what about that? Um, you know, in some cases, all you need to do is Google the person they're having trouble with, and it jumps out at you like, uh, you know. Yeah. But to have somebody, you know, look, um, you know, Dwight is so blessed. He's got you. He's got your husband. He's got people that he can... I'm not saying farm this out to, but say, hey, look, what do you think here? So you're right there for him, and this is what, you know, this is the ministry that you and David have right there, that that you're more apt to be able to find these things out and help them. But nevertheless, I mean, you know, I could give you so many cases that, um, you know, with regard to pastors, that they have, uh, uh, how can I say this? They 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 have an idea of it and so on, but they don't want to divide the church. They don't want church splits. They don't want to get into this, then into that, and so on. Hey, that's part of their calling. That's part of their job. So so they've got to do it. And uh, however, whatever it takes. I mean, you know. Again, I'm blessed that the old guys <laughs> call me. Huh, well, what about this? In some cases, I haven't heard of this guy. You know, I, I don't know this guy. But all it takes is to take a look at. What they're promoting, you know, whether it be uh, you know, Andy Stanley or you know somebody like that, guys that have just taken taken their you know in their positions, taking people down uh, you know primrose path. I mean, I go through a list of people who uh, sometimes I wonder have they just fallen into apostasy or are they are they apostates? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's a good question to ask about these guys and yeah. so on, or confront them. You know, and we've been through the whole thing, the seduction of Christianity. People say, well, did you go to such and such? Did you explain that to them? <laughs> Look, um, yes, we have. And in, in some cases where we had we met with these people, um, they said, uh, well, yeah, we, we'll, we'll change this. Nothing ever gets done. Right. And so on. Well, I, we can't control that. And, and we want to err on the side of mercy. We want to uh, give the opportunity for somebody to understand our problems. I'll give you an example. Uh, in, in the seduction of Christianity, um, the, uh, the conservative church was really excited about the book. Okay, and why was that? Well, because um, it dealt with things, the charismaniac stuff, the, the stuff that's, you know, now listen, I'm a believer in a gift, okay, so I'm not a cessationist. Nevertheless, there are things out there that are just so far, you know, a Benny Hinn, stuff like that. So, um, so we, you know, so we dealt with that in the first part of the book, the, the seduction of Christianity. So they were excited until they got to chapter thirteen. Guess what chapter thirteen was about? Psychology, <laughs> which the church was into up to their eyebrows. Wow. You know, um, James Dobson. I mean, I could go down the list. Christian psychologists, the whole, the whole magigala or whatever it is called. So anyway, the point being is that. We need to be Bereans. We need to check things out. Pastors, as shepherds of the sheep, they have a specific responsibility to guard their sheep. Mm-hmm. And they better take that to, uh, you know, to heart mm-hmm. because they're going to have to stand before the Lord. 
you know, with regard to those things. T.A., I want to stay on this uh, for a, a few more minutes because just the sure. concept of guarding the flock in your care, guarding the flock. There's a lot of really good men of God, pastors, teachers that are good at uh, being faithful to the gospel, the calling of the gospel, and teaching through the scriptures. But when it when it comes to discerning what's happening outside of church walls or guarding the flock, um, I think that's when a lot of them miss it, and people are not as prepared to deal with what's happening. So out there, if 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 that makes sense, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, as I said, Mayor, Mayor said it earlier, uh, things have become well. This is the time, I believe, and I, I have a pretty good understanding of the specific issue that this verse deals with. But Second Timothy, Second Timothy, no, Second Thessalonians, chapter two, right, ten and eleven. Those who have not a love for the truth, mm. it's a scary verse. God will send strong delusion. Mm. Now, I think, you know, there's a specific time for that one. But with all prophecies, uh, it's, there's almost like a, a preparatory uh, time. In other words, apostasy doesn't, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. There are issues that, that they have to deal with. For example, you know, let's take... Um, um, that men will believe that they're gods. Well, that started in heaven. Lucifer, I will mm-hmm. be as, as the most high, right? Mm-hmm. Then he brings it to earth. He feeds it to Eve. She buys into it. Okay? You know, of course, she got seduced. But Adam, he just disobeyed God. Okay? Now, what about this idea, you will be as gods? Hey, uh, what is it? Corinthians, the Antichrist, who sets himself up in the temple of God to be worshipped as God. In other words, you can track the idea of being God not only from heaven, okay, in in Lucifer's disobedience, but you can track it all the way up to the religion and the uh, the Church of the Antichrist. Okay, so the point is, it's preparatory to, to the end, and that's what I think about those who have not a love of the truth. Guess what? That could refer to me, Tom. You got off track here. Yeah, you have a love for the truth in these things, but not in that thing. Okay, so I could buy into that. You know, the strong delusion now. <laughs> I'm thankful I got people all over the world praying for me that I stay on track, that I stay the course as as it goes. Mm. But the point being is that these things are out there and they will affect uh, whether you're a pastor or whether you're just, you know, a man, you know, I'm the head of, I'm the spiritual head of my household. Okay. So whatever it might be, I want to stay on course. I want to uh, make sure that I haven't slipped into apostasy. It can happen. Yes. Remember again, there's two things, and I, I think I, uh, oh, I think I gave this talk in, in, in Pennsylvania. There's an apostate, and there's apostasy. Okay? A true believer cannot be an apostate. Mm-hmm. That's somebody who never received Christ, rejected Christ, and so on, and more often than not, has just fled from his relationship with believers, because they, as Jude tells you, they crept in yes. unnoticed, or and acts, you know, uh, they're there. And some will just split and then turn against, you know, the church big time. But there are others that stay within their stealth. They stay within the church to undermine the church from, in, you know, from, from within. So the, the point, David, the point in all this is that we need to be on our guard. We need to check things out. We need to be Bereans, okay? And, we, and once we recognize these things, at least ask questions. You know, um, I mean, I can now I'm go to a list of whole names, but there are guys that I'd like to meet with and say, what are you doing? 
where, where are you getting this? You know, one of my favorite questions is, okay, give me chapter and verse. Exactly. You know, maybe at some point we'll talk about the chosen and uh, how much of the church is bought into that. Yeah. You know, big uh, names. Yeah, we've talked about that. We've yeah. got more coming up, by the way, Monday uh, with Chad Davidson. They did a whole expose on Lonnie Frisbee. So we're going to talk more about that on Monday. Mary, yeah. you have a question? Well, you're talking about those, you know, loving loving God's Word. And, um, you know, I look at your uh, newsletter, Flocking to Fables, which is excellent. But loving God's Word. But yesterday I was looking for a verse, and I couldn't. I looked at David, and I realized I had opened a can of worms <laughs> that I couldn't close <laughs> up again. But here's the verse, uh, and this takes it even a step farther, Isaiah 66, 2b. But on this one I will look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. Mm. And I think to myself, I read that, and I and that's a barometer of the church too, because who trembles at God's word anymore right. uh, if they ever have? And and so I think the church needs a proper fear of the Lord. We talked a little bit about this yesterday as well, and not not to be shaken in your boots because He's our Father, He's He loves us, He sent Jesus, and all of that is also true. But the the notion that that the word Canon should be trembled at by the church. I think that would be that would be an incredible step forward, um, and to, uh, like you said, to be lovers of the truth. So hopefully the church can can uh, the the remnant. You know, we talk about circling the wagons and the remnant and the small. You know, the church is going to be smaller. You know, narrow is the way, and few there be that find it. But <laughs> what do you think about that? I mean, how you know you get the visible well, church and then you got the the few church. Mayor, that's why I love talking to you. You know, David, I've known along, but I'm going to get, I'm going to see him back in the, back in April and so on. But here's what I'm good at. You, you know me. I mean, I'm a goofball. Okay, uh, I don't take myself seriously. I take what I do very mm-hmm. seriously. Okay. Now, so in my goofball uh, mentality, um, I, I think I did a TBC notes in the uh, in the newsletter, and it had to do with uh, Christian horseshoes. Christian horseshoes. Horseshoes, okay. <laughs> okay, what's that about? Well, in other words, people that play horseshoes and know the game of horseshoes, to score points, you don't need to get a ringer, okay? <laughs> All you need to do is be close enough to get some points, right? That's the mentality that we're seeing out there in spades. Hmm. Uh, close enough? Yeah, Tom, don't worry about it. I'm close enough. And the mentality of the church is, you know, I mean, that's why hmm. they're buying into the whole Mormon aspect of uh the chosen. Mm. Ah, don't worry, it's, it's close enough. Yeah, it's Dallas Dallas Jenkins. He's making the stuff up, but it's okay. It's close enough. <laughs> Artistic license. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's close enough. Oh man! Oh right. <laughs> I can tell you the first guy. The first guy that tried to use this. You know, when I was dealing with uh, when I wrote Showtime for the Sheep, uh, Rick Warren. Um, he was saying, yeah, well, we just we have artistic license. Oh, boy. Really, Rick? Give me chapter and verse for that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. that's that's kind of where, where we are. That once, Well, I'll, I'll tell you what's really helpful to me. Um, you know, uh, I've been going through uh, putting together a concordance, and now I'm going through the, through the Old Testament. You read, you know, I, I'm an, even Leviticus, but you read how God is dealing with the Jews. Now, look. I'm not, you know, encouraging get back under the law. No, I just want you to get an idea of the character of God and in this situation how he relates to Israel and so on. There ain't no horseshoes. There ain't no close enough. (laughs) Ain't no horseshoes. (laughs) You you, you get another uh, insight into the character of God. It's got to be perfect. That's why when I say perfect, not perfect, I mean, we're not under the law, so it's not for our salvation. 
but it can affect our relationship with him, you know, as we see how important it is for him to, that, that the Jews had to do things exactly the way he said it. And he enabled them to do that by the Spirit, okay? Whether it be making the, uh, you know, the, the tabernacle or all that stuff, or just read through it. You say, whoa, Tom, how does that relate to your understanding? Are you playing Christian horseshoes with, with God? No, mm-hmm. no. Again, not, it doesn't have to do with salvation. What has to do with salvation? Tom, do you know the gospel? Do you understand the gospel? Are you, you know, are you abiding by what the gospel says, mm-hmm. the facts? the facts of what you believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, and guess what? I'll tell you, folks, I know I'm a believer. How do I know? I got the verses to tell me that I'm a child of God. Uh, I have the Holy Spirit to encourage me that way. Something you guys can't do, yeah. okay? Because it's just between the Holy Spirit and me and the Scriptures reinforce that. So, yeah. But nevertheless, I don't want to drift away. You know, it doesn't, doesn't uh, how we relate to the Lord doesn't have to have to do with the Ephesians, you know, in, in uh, the book of Revelation, chapter 2. Tom, have you left your first love? Because mm-hmm. that's my battle. Mm. You know, sometimes I tell people, well, you know what my problem is? Yeah, Tom, I know your problem. You're a sinner. You still have this old nature and so on. Hold on a second. Let me lay it out for you even more clearly. My problem is I love me more than I love Jesus. Mm-hmm. Not all the time. Mm-hmm. And I want to grow in my love for him. That's my problem. Mm-hmm. I love me too much mm-hmm. and not him enough, mm-hmm. which he'll enable me to do. It's not impossible. Yeah. He's given me his Holy Spirit. I have a personal, intimate relationship with him. I just want to grow in that yeah. and grow in understanding. And that's the war Amen. we're all in every Amen. single day, isn't it? It's just the war that we mm-hmm. we all fight every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so much. Um, so much to think about. Um, I was thinking about what, what church is it in Revelation that had a reputation for being alive? Um, yeah. and, and, Sardis? Uh, I think it's Sardis. Sardis or yeah. Smyrna? Sardis, right. Sardis, right. Sardis yeah. like I said. Um, yeah. But I think about that and some of these churches that are maybe uh, not all charismatic churches, but some because no, maybe in part because of their uplifting worship and all that, they have a reputation for being alive but they're really missing God's word and sound doctrine at times. Um, the yeah. reputation hey, David, let me, let me, goes ahead of that. Let me that. add to that. Yeah. Let me add to that. Because, you know, there's so many things out there that, that rip us off. And I'll tell you, one of the things is the contemplative movement. Well, how are they ripping us off? Well, they've sold the church, many in the church, big names in the church. I could go down through the list of things with the contemplative movement. They're saying, you know, a sound doctrine, yeah, but that, you know, those are words on pages and so on. They just don't encourage your personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. They're just words here and there. So what you need to do is you need to go into a form of meditation. Okay. You need to pull back, get silent before God, uh, clear out what's in your head and in your mind so that the Holy Spirit can speak to you, okay, and you can enjoy this ongoing conversation with God, you know, two-way conversation. Not that that couldn't happen, but nevertheless, the way it's pushed is that, no, this is the way it needs to be. For example, Beth Moore, uh, she would say she has ongoing conversations. We say the same thing about Sarah Young. Uh, they have their conversations with Jesus and so on. Folks, I'm telling you straight out, if this is your approach to developing a personal interrelationship with Jesus Christ, you are interacting with demons. 
mm-hmm. first and foremost. Okay, so it's a delusion that the church is bought into because, oh, well, you know, uh, it, it has to do with my feelings. It has to do with my understanding, and, and uh, Jesus knows my heart, and so on. Of course he does, but not that way. Mm-hmm. That's Eastern meditation. Mm-hmm. That's, that's demonic interaction. Point blank, right, guys? Yeah. Well, you talk about in this uh, Flocking to Fables that Noah Webster defined mysticism in the 1828 dictionary as the obscurity of doctrine. So it involves mm. uh, taking the truth and distorting it so badly that it becomes devoid of reason, logic, and common sense. Uh, I thought that was fascinating. Truth is the antithesis of mysticism. I never right. thought of it well, that way, but that's what's in your January newsletter. Very interesting. Right. Well, the the other thing is, what are you talking about? You're going back to a, a dictionary that was published in 1828. <laughs> yes. Come on. Yes, absolutely. Why would I? Why would I recommend that? Why would you recommend Webster's that? baby? Because, pardon me. Webster's. I said Webster's baby. <laughs> yeah, no, 1828. That's the uh, one that I often refer yeah, to yeah. as well. Noah, Noah. <laughs> yeah. But 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 why? Because he made his definitions based on the Word of God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so you're ding, saying ding. you're saying modern dictionaries are changing their definitions of no. words? No, well, that's a, yeah, that's a wild guess on my part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother! Wow, that's anyway. Funny. The Lord has resources out there for us. And, mm-hmm. uh, I would hope you know we talked about pastors. I, I would hope uh, all of them have a copy of you know number. You don't even need a copy of the book. I have one, but nevertheless, you can get it online and. Look it up right away, mm-hmm. and he lays it out for you. Mm-hmm. You know, not that he's the end-all, be-all. I don't think uh, he would claim inspiration, but <laughs> but anyway, yeah. it's a good deal. Now, are you talking about Noah Webster or Dave Hunt? I'm talking about Noah Webster. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, but he, but for both of them, neither one claims inspiration. Right. They just claim diligence in searching out being Bereans. Yeah, yeah there's. We could do a whole podcast on um, just what does it look like to add to God's word or to take away from God's word. When I think of the just opening up your mind and letting something speak to you, and you know, you think it's the Holy Spirit, but boy, we've got to test all things. And I think of the chosen and others. And by the way, when I said Lonnie Frisbee earlier, I realized that was from Jesus Revolution, not from the chosen. But there are a lot of things that we've addressed in both of those uh, Christian yeah. productions. And that's going to have to be for another time, T.A., because we're yeah. already out of time. But I want to direct people again to thebereancall.org and also to Lighthouse Trails for that new booklet on, on how to strengthen the faith of our children and grandchildren. Uh, Mayor, fun podcast. Yes. Yeah. Boy, there's there's so <laughs> much. We could just go on and on and on. Yeah. So I enjoyed this immensely. And T.A., we're so grateful for the ministry over the years yes, and everything you. that Dave Hunt did. And now you've carried that forward and, and still producing fruit. Praise God. Amen. Yeah. Let me, let me give a, a plug for uh, your fellowship, Mayor. Um, you guys know the, the um, Calvary Chapel Appleton has been my church away from home. <laughs> yeah, praise the Lord. And it has been for years. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, we love and appreciate it. Maybe I'll get to see a lot of folks there for the conference. Yeah, yep. that'd be great. Yep. April we, 28th we will, through 30. We yep. will see you next month. T.A., God bless you in your ministry. Talk to you soon. Very good. Thanks. All right, friends. Monday, Good Fight Ministries. Pastor Joe Schimmel has been on the podcast many times. We're going to have Chad Davidson on and talk about 511 News based on Ephesians 511. And also, Alex Newman, one of my favorite international correspondents and experts on education. Alex Newman, Tuesday, The New American, or The Newman Report. 
Uh, Todd Nettleton, Voice of the Martyrs, Wednesday. Dr. and Pastor Andy Woods on Thursday. Scott Shera on Friday. Thanks, guys, for your prayers and for your support. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.